Merrigan had been floating around so long, he was starting to think he'd done something wrong. He had a job to do, he remembered that much, and he'd run into a beautiful changeling. She'd showed him things, taught him things, expanded his consciousness, but something was changing. She was breaking the deal. Merrigan wasn't the world's most perfect mercenary, but he never broke a deal. And this healing woman heals you and your poison effects go away. Oh, good. Okay. I sit up and kind of like stretch out and... Okay, you see uh, some shape swimming in the river off towards either the other shore or an island, you're not sure. But away from here? Yeah, directly away from the fishnet where she went under. Okay. It's got to be Zimby. All right, I um, I tell them she's she's over there, and I point. They all nod, and like uh, a couple people head down the river and get into a a little boat and start getting ready to push out into the water. Uh, and the rest of the folks come and, and just kneel as like they wait until you guys are comfortable enough to move. And they'll talk to you if you want to talk. The The man and the woman seem to know your language. Um, how, how did you know who I am? Seraph, we've always known who you are, where you were. But we couldn't get to you until now. What do you mean couldn't? But you're home. This is home. This is where you belong. <laughs> with all due respect, I belong with Felix and he's still in that house. Okay, they, uh, they look sad and stricken, and, and um, um, so then there's like this long, quiet period. I'm, I'm so excited to, that you're here, but I, I, can't, I can't be here until he's with me. Can you stay? Share a meal? Tell us of your travels? Yeah, I can do that. We'll show you how we live here in this place. We're at peace here. I'm glad. The man pats you on the back and he says, um, he says, we live on that island yonder and he points kind of to the west and it's one of the bigger islands sort of, uh, and there's a few others in the way, but you can see it just the hints of like kind of man-made structures on the beach. And uh, he says, are you able to walk? And the woman helps Verbolg to her feet and she just kind of nods like sort of dumbly. And she says, Merrigan, who are these people? Merrigan? Verbolg, I'm... I'm not... Merrigan, I'm 
I'm kind of sharing his body with him right now. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, 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 is like, what? Merrigan, you're, you're not making sense. We're supposed to find these people and get the ore, right? Yeah, um, when we were hired for this job, it was me being hired, not Merrigan. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if Merrigan's in here, but he, I mean, he hasn't said anything to me, but... Kameen said something about a riverboat. That looks like a riverboat to me. And she she points as you're getting closer to you see a bunch of like little skiffs like tied up on the side of the river. And what you thought were just like structures on a beach are actually like a whole like kind of houseboat complex Mm -hmm. sort of next to it with bridges to it. And they're starting to get these skiffs ready to to ferry you over there. Furbolg, the truth is that um, I'm... I'm one of them. What What are you talking about? That, that doesn't make any sense. Merrigan, come on. Come on, um, ask me something that only Merrigan would know. Okay, she, she gets like really confused and like skeptical. And she says, the day we met, you told me three lies and one truth. What was true? I don't know. Okay, give me a presence and intelligence flip. And you're no longer minus one, and you're you're still uninjured, right? Yeah. You didn't actually take any damage from that slash, no. so... I got five successes. Holy shit! Uh, yeah, so the truth was that you'd never been in love. Oh, so I do know it now? Oh. Yeah, you had no true love was the truth. And this was like seven years ago. Who knows what's happened since then? It's also still true, you're pretty sure. It's also still true, I'm pretty sure. In fact, Merrigan has had a crush on Furbolg this entire time. <laughs> oh, great. I'm going to tell her all of that. But oh, I'm going to no. I'm going to talk about Merrigan like because Merrigan's not me, so I'm going to talk okay, about Okay, hold him. on, hold on, hold on. As soon as you start to do that, you're in a fight with Merrigan for control of this body. Do you have uh, telepathy or anything like that? No. Give me a presence. Do you have empathy? No. I have presence, wit, uh, skill-wise. I have persuasion, lying. (laughs) Okay, so it's like a brutal contest of wills. I guess you could try to talk him out of trying to push you out, but uh, he's coming at you real hard. 
I was gonna say, can I have like a mental like a mental fight with him? Yeah, so so uh it'd be presence and telepathy unless you have some power or something that you can use. Mm, no, I have like chameleon and that's about it. Yeah, no good. Okay, well then Oh, but I'll give you I'll give you one extra because you've been with him so long, like you kind of think you know what what will make him back up and stuff like that, like a kind of feeling. It's a dark city feeling battle. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two bald guys floating in the air at each other. Yes. Okay, yeah, so I'll just try to I'll just try to talk him into um letting me <laughs> letting me keep talking, I guess. Okay, so presence and telepathy, what'd you get? I think it'll basically be presence plus two cards. Yeah, I did get um, three successes. Holy shit. You are completely in control of Merrigan. It's almost like you're like, like when two dogs fight, you know, they stand up and like put their arms around each other. It's like you're doing that with Merrigan Mm -hmm. in this weird like liminal space. But as far as, uh, as far as Furbolg knows, you're just a normal old Merrigan. So what are you telling her exactly? Or do you stop telling Merrigan's secrets as soon as you realize he's against it? You know what? I'm going to, with the control that I have over him, I'm actually going to let him speak. I'm not going to let him, like, use any of his body parts, but speaking, I'm going to let him do. Okay. He uh, he growls out. He says, Furbolg, someone in my mind, she's... She's been controlling me. I can't... I can't make it stop. She's too strong. And uh, the the man and the woman that are, like, walking with you, they, like, step back, both of them, to get away from you and Furbolg, and they kind of, like, wave the other people away. And the woman and the man kneel and bow to to you, I guess, but you realize they're doing it to Merrigan. They're basically like trying to be as peaceful and like compassionate as possible. Sure. So I'm going to let him do a calm down check, <laughs> which he <laughs> Count nails. <to> ten. <laughs> and he, and he's like, I, what do you want? Seraph? Look, buddy. Why have you brought me here? Is he um, speaking out loud? He's just kind of grumbling quietly. You think Furbolg can probably hear him, but okay. he's talking to you. Look, I don't want to be here either, okay? I don't know how I got here or how I can leave. Tensera is dead, and it's your fault. It's my fault? She's the one who ran off. You brought us here, Seraph. And it was a job, the one, same one you would have taken. I would have kept her alive. And Furbolg is like, what are you doing, Merrigan? Who are you talking to? And he says, shut up, Furbolg. (sighs) And the man is doing that, like, kind of crouch forward with his hand out thing. Like, to try to, like, I'm going to get within range and comfort you, like, with my (laughs) hand sort of vibe. And he kind of flashes out with one hand, like, 
like or he wants to would you let him or or control um, him i'm instead of allowing him to do that i'm gonna say you better not he'll get really really mad you're not even sure if that's true <laughs> so i think that would be lying and charm i'm just worried i'm just worried about him hurting this dude i mean you could enforce your will like with presence and just calm him down if you want yeah i'll yeah i'll try that because trying to convince him intellectually hasn't seemed to have worked quite yet yeah i'm gonna just try to calm him down okay presence and telepathy or let's call it brawn and presence but not merrigan's brawn your brawn whatever that is three successes hell yeah merrigan <gasps> he jokered. <laughs> oh, poor buddy. He is exhausted and completely at your mercy. Um, so you can take over his words, stand there quietly, talk to him in your head, whatever you want to do. I just want him to, like, calm down and, like, think about everything that's happened logically. <laughs> I understand that Panzer is dead, and that is awful, and I do feel really, really bad about it. But she ran off. You hear the sound of dogs, and you immediately are, like, thrown back into your dream. Like, near the end of that dream, right, there were all these dogs arriving, and you heard them, like, splashing around in the water. That's mm-hmm. what you hear now. Is dogs coming closer, splashing the water, barking, basically hunting, but instead of crabs and stuff, it's all your people, and they're coming out of the woods, uh, getting close. Everybody run. Everybody run right now. Merrigan is screaming, and he's like, the orb, we have to get the orb. And it reminds you that Walter wants the orb as well. But Merrigan, like, he doesn't care if you fuck up his job, like, killing these people, but he needs the orb. That's where the money is. Yeah, I'll go. Well, wait, the orb of whom? I'm sorry. Uh, it's a magic orb that these, these shapeshifters have. And your orders were to, like, take it. The changelings or the shapeshifters who were coming after us? It wasn't in the the deal you made with Kameen in person, but maybe it was something that had been worked out ahead of time, or maybe Merrigan picked it up out of your head. Mm-hmm. That like that like getting that orb is the deal, because right, like but you I'm have saying... a clear image in your head that these people have the orb in a box in their riverboat lair or whatever. Oh, okay. You don't know how you know, but you just have this like faint, you know, dream logic kind of deal. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the people are like hustling everyone onto the skiffs and like getting ready to go. So Yeah, we're not getting that orb. So you don't want to get on the skiff because that's where it's going is towards no. the orb. No. But Mer- so Merrigan is going to try to fight you again. He okay. wants to get on that skiff. Are you going to try to... to Drive the dogs away from the people. Is that the idea? Yeah. That's why you don't want to get it. Okay, cool. So do another uh, brawn presence. 
You got to beat three successes. <laughs> well, I got uh, uh, one success and a joker. <gasps> um, <clears throat> Merrigan takes over and you're just along for the ride, baby. You started to like reach for Furbolg and like, because all your gear is kind of being uh, set beside the boat before it's put in the boat. Mm-hmm. So it's you, Furbolg, the gear, the man and the woman. That's like about all that's left right here in your general area. There are a few villagers between you and the dogs, but not many. Um, and it looks like none of your gear has been loaded into the boat yet. Um, but Merrigan just like, instead of leaving, starts helping the people put gear into the boat and just kind of act incompetent and useful, but no longer planning to run or anything. Hmm. And, uh, and the last thing he puts on is Panzera's bag. He undoes the rope and tosses it into the boat. And then he draws out his sword. Which, did you even know he had a sword? I don't know if you ever used a sword. Nope, didn't um, know, but continue. <laughs> but out comes this giant ass fucking sword out of the bedroll. And he like clutches the it's a hand and a half so he clutches the bottom of the pommel with the other hand turns and faces all these oncoming dogs and Furbolg follows your lead grabs her shield and her helm and her sword and stands up and uh and your family members are like no you can't we cannot shed blood this is a sacred place please please come with us and uh he kicks the boat and it like coasts on towards the down the river and uh gets ready to face these oncoming dogs i feel really grateful to merrigan right now (laughs) what is uh what are you thinking in this moment there's like this mist coming up and the dogs are you're gonna you see their eyes gleaming in the mist what are you thinking? I I was thinking that um, I was just going to watch helplessly as Merrigan like slaughtered a bunch of my people to get this orb. Um, and now I'm like just <laughs> full of like, g- like gratitude and adoration of him. And I think that I would try to like fight all of these dogs as both of us. So instead of like pushing him to one side, I would like to like combine our consciousnesses mm. and our yeah. competencies and just like kick butt. Okay. So you're giving him this vibe. Uh, the people that were between you and the dogs all slowly walk towards you and like pat you on the arm and shoulder and stuff as they walk by. And they're like thanking both of you and they start swimming out towards the, the boats and the dogs form up in a line. There's gotta be like 30 of them all at the edge of your vision. And uh, you hear people tromping through the brush behind them. And then one comes through and parts them. And you thought it was a dog, but then you realize it's somebody hunched over, covered with skins, with a uh, what you thought was a, a dog head helmet, until you realize that they start to stand up. And they're short, And they're like stumbling forward and they stand up so you can see them. 
and you realize strapped up to this rig above them with a spear and like a backpack or whatever, there is the head of Panzera <gasps> lashed to their bag, and it's the fucking priest survived his tumble down the rocks, collected his Panzera backpack, and uh, and looks over at you and gives like this weird sniff. Merrigan um, charges. Yeah. <laughs> Rah, battle cry, sword up behind him as he runs. Just sloshing through the muck towards him. Yeah, like I said, I'd like to combine our, our skills. Are there any things that you can do pu- that are purely mental, like your magic? Um. Yeah, so I have, like, my magic, and I can probably, like, if both of us are in control of this body, I can probably, like, provide that that armor hell yeah do that yeah uh flip that's uh presence and magic mm-hmm. four successes nope five i forgot tens of success too that's badass do you want to use a hero point or any drive this is the end of the session right here um no, I think I think that this, yeah, I think the the five is good. Did you, you said five. Okay. So you can give up to three in any attribute. Um, can I give him three armor and then can I heighten his brawn temporarily? One or two. 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 So now his brawn is now his brawn is six. Uh huh. Okay, and he had 10 hit points. Um, so so write down 10 health, 6 brawn. This'll, when we start next time, this will be what happens. Okay. Um, and uh, great sword... Got to write down all these weapons. Great sword, hand axe, dagger. Did you get? You didn't get the sickle back. No. Uh, crossbow. <laughs> Short spear. You don't even know where that was. Um, <laughs> and two throwing knives. Um, and a hammer. <laughs> Um, and then as he's running forward and you're bulking him up, making him all super powerful, he like gets bigger and his feet like are heavier and pound into the muck and like water splashing and, uh, and his battle cry like gets bigger and rumblier and then whoosh, you're inside Janine again. Are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> You flash around, you're like wildly like gesticulating and you realize like Mrs. Keneally was sitting down quietly next to you and she like shakes and almost falls off the little couch you're on. Um, uh, I have no words. I just, I almost feel like I would just like fall onto the ground and just like beg to be put back because I feel like I need to be there to help Merrigan. 
<laughs> like, wait, we were just, he needs my help. <laughs> so you're just like, what, begging God, like the universe? Or whoever, like Walter put me there. I don't know. Are you saying it out loud or just like telepathically? No, out loud. <laughs> Tell me what that sounds like. No, let me go back. He needs my help. He needs me to be there. Yes, yes, dear. Yes. Yes, I know. I know. They went through the magical door. It'll it'll open again. It always does. And she looks over at the wall and you see it's just a regular old wall with a few pictures on it, a little end table and a lamp. You don't see any magical door. But you are back in Mrs. Keneally's apartment. You see the giant JFK picture. You don't know who JFK is, so, <laughs> so it, it means matter. nothing to you. But uh, none of your friends are here. Do you remember the last time you saw Walter? Wasn't it right before I went into Marion? Or no? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. remember a lot about it, just that I saw him. Um. You see the door to the the hallway is half open and there's a shadow looming against the opposite wall and it is a uh, a skinny cowboy hat wearing person and then it starts to move and you hear the clink clink of like silver heeled boots clacking against the ground. Fading off into the distance. And then you hear sirens start to blare. As all your senses kind of come into focus. Yeah, I'm like very thrown off. <laughs> you see a, a like a, a shell on the ground between you and the door. Like maybe, maybe Staunton dropped a bullet maybe. Other than that, there's no sign that any of your people were here. Do I remember what the date was when we were here? Would you have been interested in dates? I mean, I remember that I had like read the newspaper a couple times to see where I was and okay. didn't know Orient if I remembered yourself anything. in time. Like, is that a thing that, that people care about in your world? I mean, yeah, like date ex like dates exist. We keep track of like a calendar year. Okay, yeah. So you know you know that it is uh July third and um there are flags everywhere, like little plasticky ones, and then you see them in in windows and stuff, but you didn't know the significance of it. But that's the date that it is right now. Okay. Oh, her little T V is on and you see the news. And uh, it's talking about something called the 4th of July, Independence Day, Celebration. There's these pretty people talking on the screen. Were my friends here? Oh, yeah. Yes, they were just here. It's just a moment ago, really. You were wailing and carrying on, crying about your husband. Uh, was it Harold? Bob? I don't remember. Ron? Hal? What is your husband's name? I don't remember at all. Oh, no. Uh, 
Serif game notes. Nope. Character secrets. Nope. Serif meets flag. Nope. Wolf attack. Husband is named John, not Bob. <laughs> A very similar. Thank you, old timey Jeff. That note from over a year ago is spot on. Very helpful. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, John, and you realize you're holding the cell phone and you hear, honey, 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 Janine. Okay? Uh, I, I hold it up to my ear. I say, hello. Janine. Hi. Uh, where are you? I, I don't understand. You, uh, Doris says you you woke up in a woman's apartment? Who is this woman? What are you doing? Oh, I'm uh I'm just visiting uh my aunt. I'll call you back. Honey, I heard shooting. There was definitely shooting. Oh, that was that was just outside. The, it's not a very good neighborhood. I definitely heard some screaming, honey. I I I really think I should call 911. It was just it was just the TV. Hmm. I hear sirens and now the sirens are extremely loud. It's just the TV, babe, and I like hang up. <laughs> <laughs> and Mrs. Keneally is peeking out the blinds and and you see the lights flashing and all that. I think it's so rad that like like you have no way of knowing if time is passing back there or if that there's some way you can go back there and be in that moment or if it's too late and Merrigan is dead. Like, I don't know. It's killing me. (laughs) 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 The blood crafters are mowing down your people. I'm making some notes. <laughs> your phone starts to ring again, and instead of your husband's goofy-looking face, it just says Laura and a bunch of numbers. Do I know who that is? Uh, wasn't that your sister, or was it Linda? It was something like that. Maybe. She's the one that helped you get... Like you met her for coffee and she introduced you to Leon and you got home and Oh yeah. yeah. All that. I um I answer it. Okay. It says uh girl, what is happening over there? What do you mean what's happening? You just disappeared. Leon says he drops you off somewhere in Brooklyn and and you're in Staten Island? What are you even doing? Uh, I just felt like going out. John is insane. He's calling me right now for like the 80th time. What are you doing? I'll call you back and I hang up. (laughs) No, you will not hang up on me. Janine Weiss. I hang up. (laughs) Sweet. Now it says mom, and it's a picture of flowers, like somebody painted some flowers. Oh <laughs> Mrs. Keneally is like, oh, you're very popular this morning. Thanks, Mrs. Keneally. I answer it? Honey? Yes, mom. 
What's going on? Nothing's going on. I don't know why everybody thinks something's going on. Well, I'm watching the news and it it sounds like there was some sort of shootout in Staten Island. Can you believe that? No, Mom, I can't believe that. It's just so many scary things happening down there in the big city. It is a scary world. Can I call you back, Mom? I'm worried about you, honey. I hang up. With John's birthday... Oh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Where are my friends? Do you know where they are? Oh, they went through the magic door, yeah. But I don't understand. I I thought you didn't want to be here. You called called 911 and then you hung up and, and oh, then your Janine your husband but you're not you now <laughs> and now you hear Janine in inside your head screaming like what but she's so weak like it's not a contest but you just you know she's back there now like screaming i'm just like can i try to talk to her i'm like janine we've been here before it's okay i'm not <laughs> give me a presence Telepathy, which you don't have. Yes. So presence then. Two successes. Okay, that's good enough. You you're able to talk to her, but you don't you can't tell if she can hear you or not. But she does seem to calm down a little bit and stop screaming so much. I won't try to shut you out. Just please just stay here so that you can help me navigate this crazy friggin' world. And we'll get through this together, okay? What about my kids? Your kids, what about them? Uh, I mean, she can only muster up like a few words before she kind of floats back into the ether. Mrs. Keneally is trying to get your attention and she's pointing up at the door. Uh, okay, what, what's she pointing at? Uh, you see a... a kind of puffy coated black clad gentleman with like gold touches and, and some sort of star on his chest is knocking on the door as it's opening and he's got his hat kind of tipped off with the other hand. He's like, hello ladies, uh, police, NYPD. Uh, is everything okay in here? Is Janine in there? Um, Janine's in there somewhere, but you're going to look really weird if you, Focus on trying to talk to her. Uh, hello. Hello, ma'am. You look all right. You look a little flustered there. Can I, uh, and he starts to like nudge like he's going to come in and Mrs. Keneally goes, I haven't invited you into my house, son. You you stay right there. And he says, "Uh, ma'am, I'm I'm just looking out for the lady. Uh, Is is this your daughter? Ma'am, she's like, my name is Doris Keneally, and you will wait. I'm having a nice chat with Janine here, so just... Oh, okay, ma'am. All right. Well, we heard some shooting. There was reports of of some gang activity, so we're going to be in the hallway here. Uh, You can talk to us. If you have anything you'd like to say to us, we'll be out here. And then he like slowly inches the door closed and like <laughs> closes it as quietly as he possibly can. And I just look over to Mrs. Keneally and I'm like, thank you. Oh, oh, yeah, sure. I, I don't understand what you can't let cops just roam up in your room anytime they want. You, We have rights here. 
good for you. This is America, you know. Have you been in America long, Janine? No, ma'am. It can be a bit of a scary place, I know. But most people's hearts are in the right place. Don't you think? You hear the cops out in the hall hollering and shit. Isn't that a beautiful thought? I need to go find my friends, but I do really appreciate you taking care of Janine. I mean me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, the phone is ringing. It's John again. And uh, Doris uh, finds a clock and she's studying it. She pulls out a magnifying glass and she's studying this weird clock for some reason. Uh, I go over to the clock. Well, she's like holding it. It's like a small kind of desk clock situation. Oh, okay. Um, but you're sitting right next to her, so. Sure. I'm going to also examine it like next next to her. I don't think I need a magnifying glass. Nice. Give me an intelligence magic flip. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six again. Six successes? Mm-hmm. This is clearly a powerful magical artifact. It's the kind of thing that works so well and has such a specific magical purpose that there will only be like one of its kind or like a few of its kind. Can I tell what it does? It's like an interdimensional communication device. Like there's another plane. There may be another one exactly like it or there may be a whole nother system. But it's clearly telling her something from another place that's not normal time. It's telling her something? Some, she's somehow able to read these little dials and things. It's kind of like if you ever see like a Rolex or something. There's these little tiny clocks oh, sure, doing sure, sure. other shit. And you don't know what they mean, but you know for sure that she's reading something. What is it saying? Uh, she gives you like this little wave like, yeah, 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 like, dear, hold on, dear. And John's just ringing away on your phone. Your phone's buzzing and vibrating and shit. And so she's trying to, like, tell you to wait while she pays attention. Is she going to tell me what it says, or am I just standing here? Do you want to answer John's phone call? Uh, sure. Honey, you are in serious danger now. You, I know you are kidnapped or something, and you can't tell me What are you talking about? I'm loud. kidnapped. So you're not kidnapped? I'm not kidnapped. Where are you? I'm... <sighs> Laura told me she did a find your phone thing, and she knows exactly where you are, and the police have been called, and I just want to make sure you're safe. I'm fine. I'm in Staten Island visiting my aunt. I told you. Your aunt does not live in Staten Island. It's my great aunt on my dad's side. We've, ha we've just recently met. What? Janine? I don't... What? You have a great aunt I don't know about? I, I didn't know about her until just recently. Well, whose sister is she? <laughs> she 
She's uh This is where you'd have to try to plumb the depths of Janine's memories. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try to do that. So you basically have to shake Janine awake and like demand answers really quick, which would be a presence and telepathy. Okay. I got one success. <laughs> do you wanna add anything to it? Hero point or drive? I'll use a drive. One more success, so two. Hell yeah, two successes. So uh, you say, um, Grandpa Ben, the the one they lived upstate, and uh, so you tell tell him that, and he goes, "Oh, oh, really? Oh, wow. What's her name?" Doris. Doris looks up at you and smiles, and she gives you that like knowing look, like she can tell you landed a lie. I give her a thumbs up. <laughs> she nods some more, and she taps the clock and holds it up to her ear, and she gives you like the hold on motion, and then she leans over and whispers real loud to where even John's gonna hear it. She says, "Any minute now, darling." Oh, um the uh, the the bread is almost done. We have to go. Bread? What? Oh, we're baking. Bye, honey. And I hang up the phone. And then there's heavy knocking on the front door. And Doris gives you this look like men, right? And I roll my eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In agreement. <laughs> and we go to the credits. And da, it's da, over. Da, da, da. Congratulations. special project of the Trap Society and Colossus Media Group. Our theme song is Morgana Rides by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at incompetech.com. Send us an email at warforthetower at gmail.com. Stay weird, everybody. Want to do anything funny after the credits? Oh my gosh, I can't believe you. I can't believe you just teleported me out of there. Just in the middle of the... Anyway, I'll be... (laughs) (laughs) Is this you talking to me or like the character talking to God? What's going on? That's me talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. That was going to be the most fun, like, two-person fight, too. It was going to be so cool. It was going to be the best. I was. It was like that. It was like that scene in a movie where, like, the they decide to work together and, like, I don't know if you ever read The Host, but it was like that. Mmm, nice. It was going to be great. Yeah, I see it as a bit like uh, a Dax and her simulant in Deep Space Nine if they suddenly... We're also joined in fighting with like like uh, Iron Man and Spider Man in Civil War or mm-hmm. something, you know, because you and Furbolg are there too. Yeah, and then you're inside Merrigan's head. It was gonna be a wild and crazy day, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I know how we end. You're sitting there like pondering this, and then we fly through your eyeball into your like fantasy 
and it's you and Merrigan. Like, what does this look like? The first attack at the Panzera head wearing halfling. Oh, I mean, I was just planning on helping Merrigan just charge in there and using all of my like ability to just keep him going as long as I could. I think he like does that thing where he runs so fast and he lowers his sword blade. So it's almost like like the tips down, but it's almost like parallel to the ground as he oh, runs. Oh, uh-huh. And then he runs full shoulder into the halfling and then sweeps up. So he never even hits him with the blade, but the whole arm in motion sends him sailing into the air. Uh-huh. And then he keeps going to meet the, the dogs and slash them to bits yes. as well. Screaming the whole way. Get him, Merrigan. <laughs> Man, I love that Like you got a long enough chance to live in his skin and to like kind of vibe with his wants or needs or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was like a double bummer when you had to leave. It was. It was a double bummer. <laughs> it was sad. I'm sad about it. <laughs> Man, I loved when you shockered stabbed that fucking shape changer. Oh, that was fantastic. That was a good one. She deserved it. And whipped down the rock monster. <laughs> yes. Incredible. Carried your friends, literally. Literally carried my friends. When do I not literally carry my friends? <laughs> Never. Thanks for the epically long session. This is great. It was long, but that's okay. I will have the audio up as soon as I can. That's awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Talk to you later. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. So, uh, oh, uh, uh, for the listener, um, how about an update on the Forge or uh, or the game itself? Oh, yeah. So um, the Forge Alpha is still available. Um, so if you check out um, our Facebook page, it's on there. Or you can just go to bit.ly front slash the Forge Alpha. And Forge is spelled with a P-H. Um, and so we're, we're working on that. Um, we just started our... Well, I guess we're like three episodes in now to our new chapter. And oh my gosh, it is so fantastic. We're learning all of these cool like story things now. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but um, it's been it's been really fun. A lot of this arc has been really heavy role play, which we're not super used to because usually we have like an episode of role play and then we like go fight a bunch of stuff. This arc has been kind of just like us like talking to people, which has been really cool. Which I'm digging. Oh, nice. But it's so funny. Whenever I get into an arc that's uh, heavy-duty roleplay, like um, one, it was the Shattered Worlds, uh, the Curse on Slainberry Hill. And it was just a little side quest because we had some some of our cast couldn't make it or whatever. Oh, sure. And Taylor was like, well, I'll just play a fist wizard. And he was like, I'm a wizard with like a big punchy fist. And uh, and so he wanted like a dumb fighty kind of or not dumb, but, you know, like big battles and shit. Mm -hmm. And I somehow roped him into this thing. So at one point he's like, so are we going to be done with this Scooby-Doo shit soon? 
<laughs> and You're so like, no. Anytime there was action, I would just like turn it all the way up to 11 because <laughs> I'm like, oh, you really want this? Okay, 30 of them are coming through the wall now, motherfucker. <laughs> and he's like, oh, shit, blow it up. Ah! <laughs> So he likes he would screw himself over by like taking over the threat like super fast and like blocking them. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, all right, man, more talking. Here it comes. <laughs> but yeah, I really do love like like the episodes we're in with Shattered Worlds now. The players are just getting to meet each other, and it's this sort mm. of horror kind of psychological thriller thing and so i only put in action when it's like when it makes total story sense sure and i think the players are all good enough role players and improvers that like it's totally fine but sometimes Mm -hmm. i think about the listener and i'm like do they need a fight every episode like like should i should i just throw one in i don't know i know paul's super worried about like everybody being super bored and like it's not that the story that we're telling isn't interesting right now because it's super interesting because all of what's happening even role play wise is like super super involved in the story so it's not like we're just like piddling around a town and like you know buying weapons and shit it's like we're learning like super super intimate details about like the what's happening in the world right now and so i'm like i don't Mm. think we need to super worry about it but I get it because, like, there's always, you know, the couple episodes of any given anything that you listen to and you're just like, wow, this is hella boring. <laughs> <laughs> and we uh, we recently he like he made all these super cool monsters. And like the point of Necroforge is obviously to be like super duper hard. And he's been challenged to challenge us because we always just like learn the monster's weakness and then just like exploit it to the max and just destroy the thing that we're fighting. So, like, this one guy was, like, immune to magic attacks or some junk, and, like, two of the three of us are casters, and we were like, well, shit, uh, what do we do? And I had this, like, ice crystal that I had taken from somebody's, like, refrigeration unit in their shop or something that that had been abandoned, and I chucked it at his face, and he he got frozen because he failed his like survival check because that's like the one thing he was like dick at is survival because <laughs> he's like this cleric guy and so <laughs> i chuck it at his face he pal- he fails his survival check he freezes solid and then we just wailed on him for a hundred damage and killed him <laughs> without him being able to attack us that is so wonderful like um uh to bring it to war for the tower really quick like the thing about Stephen King is he he sets up these fights that are either like out of the blue, crazy, and then somebody gets seriously injured, which is like frustrating, but it's like very realistic. Mm. And then he has these other scenes where like the heroes plan their attack like down to the millisecond. And so the fight ends up going quickly and they win and nobody's hurt on their side. And it's like sometimes people think, oh, that's like that's unrealistic or whatever. But it's like you have no idea where a fight's going to go. Like even if you're just the writer of the story, 
you just are going to write it and it makes sense. Boom. And when you're playing with a bunch of people and the, like the DM or the GM only has like a few beats in place that like they want to hit, but it doesn't, they, they don't, you know, most DMs anyway, aren't like, well, I need the dragon to breathe fire three times and crush <laughs> three people with its talents, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you have no idea they could kill it. Yeah, like like I had a thing in Shattered Worlds, the Dramo, and all the heroes just unloaded everything they had on it all at once, and in three rounds it was dead, having never hurt a single person. Yeah, I think total in the encounter that we played, I think I took like four damage or something stupid like that. Like it was like nothing. <laughs> and I mean, and that just was... happens sometimes, especially if you have time to plan or you guys are really experienced at working together, you know, I mean, if every battle was a, 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 a totally perfectly contested match between forces, like, I don't think we would war as much in yeah. real life. <laughs> well, I just feel so bad because it's not even like it was just that one guy, like the immediate, like the next boss battle that we had as those characters um, we were fighting this big, like, jellyfish sort of creature. And um, if it touched you with its, like, tentacles, you would become paralyzed. And we were like, I wonder if we touch it with its own tentacles, if it'll become paralyzed. And that super happened. Like, we, like, just kind of, we have this form, which is, like, a spell called warp. And we just kind of, like, warped around it to confuse it. And they just, like, whacked one of its tentacles into it. And it, like, paralyzed. And we just destroyed it. Like, it was just sad. And so that's been happening a lot. And so Paul has been working really, really hard on making monsters that are really well balanced. Or Mm. are, like, really heavily skewed to one side. So much so that, like, they just whack things really, really, really hard. So they're going to hit you and they're going to do, like, 30 damage to you. And you're going to be like, oh, my God, I have 12 hit points left and (laughs) I've done nothing to this thing. And, like, once you figure out its weakness, like, it's not going to be hard to beat. It's kind of like Dark Souls, if you've ever played it, or, like, Bloodborne or, you know, what have you. Like, all the bosses are, like, really hard and they do, like, really big damage. And then you find their one weakness and you're like, oh, you're just weak to lightning. Here, take a bunch of lightning. Like... (laughs) But, but I mean, we, that's the thing. We totally like, totally circumvented that whole arc. A GM's job, like especially as players get higher level, like a GM's job is about how do I surprise the players? How do I keep them off balance? And it's it's so it's such a fine line. How do I like get a player hurt enough that they stop just standing out in the open slashing my monster? And like, how do I, how do I make the different sort of outcomes, like, mean anything emotionally or whatever? Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I could see if every time you just wail on the boss and it's gone in two seconds, like that would be yeah. frustrating for a GM. It is so that's well, interesting. But then if you take everybody down to five hit points, like an experienced team will be like retreat, and then like, and then like take a damn long rest or whatever sure well we were oh man the hardest thing that we fought up to this point was like i'm not shitting you a group of pixies like and this (laughs) this is the this is the chapter that i just released it just came out on thursday and 
um, they had these attacks that were like a hundred tiny punches, a hundred tiny kicks, a hundred tiny like stabs or whatever, a hundred tiny cuts or something. And like they were so hard to fight. And the reason that they were hard to fight is because all the attacks that we had were like melee damage, which like good luck hitting a hundred tiny pixies with a melee damage, you idiot. <laughs> Or they were area of effect attacks that were really effective against them, except that they were swarming one of us at the time. And so you're like, well, I'm going to hit you in the face with an ice cone. Is that like fine? <laughs> like, and so I was like really close to dead. And in Necroforge, you don't do like, you don't go to like negative half your hit, point, hit points or whatever. You like you hit mm -hmm. zero and you're dead. Oh god. And I mean scary. granted Well, it is Did you scary run and, and the, jump in a pond. I mean, how'd you get away? Well, well, so like and then in Necroforge like when you when you die, you come back because there's this whole like resurrection thing, but you lose all your experience, which is like a big freaking deal when you have like 10,000 experience and you're just waiting to like buy uh. that 15,000 experience thing that you've been waiting to buy and you get your butt kicked by a bunch of tiny pixies. We ended up uh. I think I ended up, like, warping away from them, and then, like, the immediate next turn, before they could come back over to me, one of my teammates, like, froze them. But, man, it was stressful. And Paul was just like, <laughs> how is this the hardest thing you've ever fought? They're, like, a bunch of tiny pixies. And I'm like, you can't hit them. They just buzz around like flies. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> That's so exciting. So, uh, I'll, I'll put a spoiler alert before that thing. Is that one of your recent episodes? Oh, that's the episode that just came out on Thursday, so yeah. That's awesome. Um, uh, so yeah, for people who haven't heard that yet, go listen to The Forge. You're, are you it's calling really it fun. The Forge Alpha? Um, no, so we have, so it's just called The Forge. Um, and you oh, can okay. look up on iTunes, you can look up The Forge Guild of Misfits, or um, you can also look it up on Podbean. Um, but the, the game is called Necroforge. And right. we have the alpha guide available right now. So we've got just like some base rules and base characters that you can create and make and just like kind of fiddle around in the world and see how you like the game type. Um, so it's got like just some monsters and some basic races and stuff like that. But we're working right now on the beta, which is going to have some really in-depth like character customization um, because this world is like so heavily affected by magic in like a really unusual way um we've we've made the ability where you can like pick a race like you can pick elf like one of my characters nariel she's an elf um or you can pick like orc or human or gnome or dwarf or whatever or you can start with like a blank slate and you're given like x amount of rp which is race points and um you can spend those however you want to look however you want your character to look. So you can spend like two RP to get like small wings that you can use to fly around or you can get like talons or horns or, you know, sharp teeth or claws or, you know, um, and kind of really just decide what you want your character to look like or what you want. And I mean, they have, you know, mechanical implications as well, but, um, there's, it's like super cool and all of that is in the beta but if you want to check it out um like i said go to um, bit.ly front slash the forge alpha and you just put in you can just put in your email i think that's the only required thing just put in your email and then um, you get emailed a copy of the alpha and you can check it out and it doesn't cost anything it's just you know we want you to have the opportunity to poke around a little bit 
That's awesome. I'm going to check that out. I'm trying to convince uh, the crew of my other show, Shattered Worlds, to uh, to do a crossover with y'all. I think uh, everybody's really excited. So well, I'm not really trying to convince. There's not really to, a lot uh, convincing. We're getting hyped. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we can send you guys the beta, the the in progress beta too, if you want to test out like oh, the more I mean, updated whatever stuff. Whatever you want, uh, whatever you want to to do, put us through our paces. <laughs> well, we also haven't been able to test like a lot of the like new character customization stuff in the beta because all of us made characters like pre-alpha, so we were like, mm. we're just gonna be elves and. That's it. My character just got a a perk called Polymorph or some junk. Or maybe it's... I don't remember. But now she can, like, just transform certain parts of her body. Because she's a druid, so she has, like, wild shape oh, or whatever. Oh, shit, yeah. So she can Hell just yeah. transform parts of her body to, like... So now you can werewolf out, like, just the claws or whatever. But, like, halfway. <clears throat> but, like, My D&D character, Dudley Star Wizard, just got Alter, hell, uh, alter Self... Oh, and nice. he, uh, they, they came across this cursed animated skeleton or scarecrow, and yeah. so when it when it attacks you, it turns into like big scary claws, and it's this horrible scary mouth. It was like a horror movie, and I turned myself into one, but oh, like one that had been reported with a pumpkin head, and like I made myself all terrifying, and I basically terrified an animated construct into like cowering while one of my team killed it nice because i'm not good at fighting um and it it was ridiculous it shouldn't have happened but it was wonderful just to be able to make claws like and change nothing else like i love that stuff yeah so or, like can... wings can you make wings i can oh so good and it's like it's like it's not like angel wings that like come out of your shoulder blades or whatever. It's like harpy wings, so your arms like kind of become the wings. Okay. Um, uh, but I if think you that's were almost to, cooler. If you were to turn your arms into wings, what uh, which ones would you go with first? Um, you know, like bird, bat, gargoyle, bee. I think for intimidation factor, I'd probably go with bat wings. Um, but for like usefulness, probably albatross wings because they can fly for like seventeen hours at a time or some shit. And chill, like they just lock into a groove and just like float on the breeze for yeah, miles. Yeah, yeah. So I think Hell like yeah. giant albatross wings for functionality. But if I'm trying to like freak someone out, definitely like bat wings because then you're like. <laughs> I if I can go off the board into Fantasy Town, I would get Game of Thrones dragon wings. I'm not fucking around with with bird wings if dragons are on the table. <laughs> There's something called uh rusting rain that like if it touches Oh shit. Any Oh my god. Any metal armor or weapons you're carrying or you know, you since you have iron in your blood, um, it will like corrode. That is so awesome. This this reminds me of um, what we're doing over on Shattered Worlds. Is the planet they're on right now was like mm -hmm. completely ravaged by climate change, and so like the subject keeps finding its way in to the story, like through the environment. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that could happen. 
in your game, like the way people react and respond to to these onrushing disasters, like rust rain. Yeah. How do you even cope? Uh. <laughs> Leather roofs on everything, I guess. <laughs> you just like figure it out. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> Like, spellcasting is really, really crazy different from D&D. So instead of, like, spell slots, because spell slots are the worst. Always thought they were so dumb. I did Awful. away with them completely on Shattered Worlds. Awful. And, of course, here, they're not a thing. Well, yeah. So in in Necroforge, um, you have a chant, and that's, like, a spell. And a chant is made up of two things, a form and an aspect. So you start with your form and you pick, like, say, wall. So you have a base form of wall. So it's going to create, like, this five meter by one meter, like, wall that's X amount of meters tall. And it's going to, like, whatever aspect you apply to it changes the form. So you have wall. And then if you don't apply anything to it, it's just an etheric wall. And so it's just like a magical energy wall that when something walks through it, it gets damaged. But you can also apply earth or fire or sonic, which is really cool. We did we did a time wall once where when something crossed through it, they froze for one D6 rounds. That's righteous. And they couldn't move because they were frozen in time in the time wall. It was freaking cool. That's so dope. And so we have, you know, tons of different forms. So we've got like um, warp, obviously wall. We've got ray. Um, We have some, we have like the six schools of magic or whatever. So we've got like some glamour spells. So like disguise and stuff like that. Um, And depending on what aspect you apply to it, it changes the kind of configuration that the form takes which is really really cool and i really enjoy it and it's there's a space there's space for a lot of creativity in it are you finding with um with the difficulty in terms of when you die you lose a lot of progress or whatever do you uh do you find that players are more cautious is it like a slower paced game or is it just kind of like fatalistic like whatever happens happens um, it kind of depends on the character. Because I would be annoyingly cautious. My team would be like, we don't have to plan every trip to the bathroom. And I'd be like, I'm sorry, sir, you are confused. I'm sorry, I have 6,000 experience. I don't, yeah, no, so. <laughs> we um... <laughs> go to the bathroom in twos, motherfucker. <laughs> it's the buddy system up in here. Yeah, no, so. It just kind of depends on the character. So like Nariel, my elf character, because we, we each have two characters for the campaign and we're playing both characters. We'll do one character, one chapter, and then we'll switch to the other character the next chapter That's cool. and so on and so forth. So we kind of like switch off, which is really fun. Shit. Maybe we should do that on War for the Tower. It's so fun. Oh, man. It's like really cool. I kind of get to do that already, though. So. Oh, you mean because you're Seraph? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. I kind of get to but do that But to do it that, that fast, anyway. to, to cycle through that fast, that... Because when I first started, I was going to have everyone make one hero and one villain. Um, oh. But I thought it was a little too gimmicky to start out. But I think 
I think maybe I'll have everybody make a sort of mirror character uh, and see where that would go. Like, wouldn't that be interesting to switch from Seraph, who's like mostly decent, to like a dark <laughs> character or like a secret villain? Uh, oh, yeah. Man. So fun story about that, actually. Um, when we have, when we originally started uh, recording Necroforge, we had like six episodes or something. And then a bunch of my audio corrupted and I lost <gasps> like three episodes. Oh, no. And we were like, I don't want to go back and record all three of these episodes. So we started over. Uh-huh. <laughs> But we started over with the, the with the same characters, and basically we just did like a a little intro part to the episode where like, hey, this is what's happened in the story so far, and then we kept on going from there. But with with restarting, we decided to do a little prologue, and we each made a third character for the prologue, and um, so we had uh, one of our players was playing like the brother of another of the characters in one of the other arcs. And then a couple other players were just playing whatever. And I played Janice, which if you've listened to any of the podcast or anybody who's listening to this has listened to any of the podcast, Janice is the bad guy, like the big bad. Oh, that's awesome. And I told Paul when we were planning this prologue, I was like, Paul, I want to play the big bad. I was like, I want to make that character. That's so dope. And I want to, I want to play it. And so we named him Janice. He's named after one of our followers. Um, and he's a he's a big old douche. But like, we went through this entire prologue. It was like two episodes. We recorded for like four hours or something. And we went through this entire prologue. And like everybody was like, oh yeah. And you know, I had Janice had been traveling with them for like two months or something. So they all kind of trusted him and everybody was pretty chill with him. <laughs> and then like the end where he like betrayed everybody was freaking incredible. It was so good. We were like in the middle of this forest fighting this giant, um, like, have you ever seen Avatar The Last Airbender? I haven't, but I okay, so there's- know a bit about it. There's like this this big like lion turtle who's like an entire island. Oh shit. We were fighting not that, but it was kind of a big scale like that. It was a like monstrous thing. It was huge. Sounds a bit like and, Godzilla or maybe the Tarasque from uh or Dragon Turtle from D D. Yeah, just like huge, huge, huge creature. And, like, one of its feet was the size of, like, a building. Like, it was giant. Um, And so we were fighting this thing, and we were fighting a bunch of these other little, like, corrupted dudes. And they're, like, all plant creatures. And we're fighting all of them, and we're like, we're all going to die. Like, 100%, we're all going to die. And so um, Janice is like, oh, I'm going to warp up and try to find this other character who got stuck inside this building. So I warp up there. And the other two characters are getting crushed to death, literally under this creature's feet. And they both die. And usually in Necroforge, you resurrect, but they didn't. They just found their, like, souls. They just kind of were semi-conscious in these, like, glass tubes. And they were like, what's going on? And then the the character that Janice went up to find, um, he, like, found him and just like stabbed him and killed him 
And everybody at the table was just like, oh my God, what's going on right now? And then, and then they were all three in these tubes. Wait, were the players surprised in a meta way or was it like just the characters? No, like nobody knew. Oh no. It was just me and Paul who knew that Janice was a bad guy. Oh my God, Brittany. Heartbreak. And everybody else was like totally surprised. It was, first of all, it was incredible. It was so great. Um, But yeah, so everybody was like totally caught off guard. And Paul was just like, and you find yourselves in these glass tubes being carried by this tiny like gnome creature. And you look up and you see Janice with his, you know, vest and his bowler hat and he's just like looking down at you and smiling and he just says like this is for the greater good and then like that was where it ended it was freaking incredible (laughs) that is righteous i think the the biggest moment for us on shattered worlds like that was when um the whole team was like frantic they had just fought this terrible battle the enemy had escaped and one of their team had gone over to the enemy and so they had him like, like Talon has telekinetic powers, right? So he's basically like Carrie floating in the air. And this dude has fallen oh, yeah. in the water. He's wet. Talon has taken all his, most of his clothes off with his telekinesis and like his gear is scattered around the ground. He's completely controlled, right? Everybody's standing around like interrogating him or sure. whatever. Talon has broken his leg once or twice. Oh, like... And so our hero leader, like our Captain America, is like, all right, stop hurting him. Like, you know, wait. And then this something starts rising out of the ground behind them, some very large thing. And Talon's immediate first decision is, oh, snap his neck. And this guy is just dead. And he was a prisoner and he was completely like unarmed. And everybody oh just looks God. over at Talon like, what did you do? It was so great. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. <laughs> but it's like in, in games before when I was younger, that would have been like, oh yeah, kill the guy. The fight, we need to go somewhere else on the battlefield or whatever. But like. Right. But of course there's not like, like this. moral implications. <laughs> yeah. That's why oh, I like to have boy. at least one super moral person on a on a team, so there'll be some some uh, I don't know emotional stakes or whatever. Yeah, well, and I mean, like I said, so like dying and losing all experience like sucks, um, but it just kind of depends on the character you're playing. So like Nariel doesn't Nariel doesn't enjoy dying, and also when you die, there are like mechanical implications as well, like depending on how many times you've died, you can lose sanity points and that, you know, changes how you kind of play your character and it's really cool. Um, but like humility, my other character, my gnome, like, sure, she'd be upset about experience being lost, but like there are a lot of good reasons to lose your experience. Like number one, the first time she lost all of her experience, she like overloaded a form really, really hard to the point that she damaged herself enough that she died. and didn't kill the creature but she felt really good about it and then like the second time she almost lost all of her experience she had i'm not it was like twenty thousand experience or something crazy like it was a lot and it was because none of our characters had been able to sleep or rest (laughs) because this whole 
this whole arc was just rough. us like going, 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 going. There was no opportunity for like resting. So we, and it was all in one day. It was like seven episodes in one day and it was like crazy. And so I had like 20,000 experience and I was, ha- I had an argument with my fellow players because they were like, well, we can't, like, I don't want to lose all this experience. So we should just leave all these other people on top of this mountain to die and we should leave. And I was like, okay, but that's really shitty though. <laughs> Yeah, but like human life or whatever. <laughs> well, and they all had phylacteries outside of the place we were dying. So they were going to be okay in the end. But it was still like letting a bunch of people who are innocent and who also have never maybe died before just die on top of this mountain and just leave selfishly. And I was like, I feel really weird about this, you guys. And they were like, come on, let's just go. And so finally I gave in. And then later Paul was like, no, you totally should have stayed. But like, I was like... <laughs> I well, when your really... team is like, hey, whatever, it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to stand up for what's right and and then be left there alone. I know, and I felt so bad because Paul was like, I wasn't going to let you lose twenty thousand experience, and I was like, yeah, but like I didn't know that, like I didn't know that you were going to let us do that. I was like, I was being selfish and meta, which I know that my husband doesn't typically punish people for, but I was just like, oh my god, I. Uh. <laughs> I felt really crappy about it, like, the whole time. Just, like, uh, I felt like a total asshole. Because we, like, flew off that mountain and, like, there are all of these, like, people who have never died before just, like, standing on top of that mountain. Just, like... (laughs) Just staring at you, wonder how terrible the next hour is going to be. Yeah, because this mountain was, like, collapsing. Like, there was no way they were going to make it out. It was a natural, it was a natural disaster. This, like, a volcano was exploding. It was, like, awful. Jesus. It was rough. So there are a lot of good reasons to die and lose all of your experience, and that's crappy. But, I mean, if you have a good DM, they're not going to, like, punish you for role-playing well. Yes, absolutely. I like the thing about, about, um... Uh, having so many episodes in a day, like, because I, I'm reading the Dresden Files right now, and it's like that. Like, oh, sure. Like, he's awake for two or three days, and, and that's how long the book is or whatever sometimes. Like, it, so much can happen in, like, I, <laughs> it happens with me on my D&D game where I'm like, there is no way we would be taking a short rest right now. Like, there is a kidnapped child we need to rescue or whatever. Like, and in, and in Stephen King stories, like, there's no resting, like, like, so I like that, that your show has that, um, or the game has that, like, mechanic in terms of the tension between, like, should we fuck off our responsibilities or just keep going? No, yeah, and, and that's 100% what it is, because Paul is, is, not one to like cut us a break because hey we just needed to sleep or whatever it's like well if you sleep that's eight hours of time that you could have been chasing this bad guy and if you sleep he's now eight hours ahead of you yes like so <laughs> that's and basically he, the whole he dark does that tower shit all the time like uh yeah we probably should rest nope can't do it Keep going. Yeah, it's it's like we'll discuss having a short rest or something, and Paul's just like, okay, but if you do that, like this, this, and this are gonna happen, and we're like, well, fuck, we're all down like fifteen experience or fifteen health, and we're at like half health, all of us, and we have a bunch of experience, but I guess we'll just keep going or whatever because, yeah, <laughs> it's it's awful. It's like great because Paul is a fantastic storyteller, 
And he's really good at predicting what we're going to do because he knows all of us really, really well. Because all of us have been friends for like Dylan and Paul have been friends for like 10 years. Paul and I have been together for nine years and our our friend Maddie and we've been friends with her for like three years. So we we all know how we're going to operate in a role play setting. And so Paul uses that against us. And yeah. he will make moral dilemmas that he knows will trip us up specifically. And it's fantastic and really annoying. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. I mean, there's nothing like this this medium of like storytelling because because I mean, people talk about the collaborative element and storytelling generally, but the like push and pull between game theory and like the player, how much do they want to role play and how much do they want to be meta? How much do the mechanics factor into their decisions? Mm -hmm. And then, and then at the end of the day, how does the character evolve and like stand up to the threat and like, are they resilient? And like all this stuff takes place right in front of you. You know, it's so exciting. Yeah, it's really cool. And Paul's a great storyteller. So, hey, if you haven't checked out the uh, the podcast yet, do it because it's fantastic. Do it. Fuck yeah. That's awesome. The Forge. Yeah, with a PH. I just ate it down my stairs, so give me a second. Let's see. I could talk about The War for the Tower and uh, how it's a show that people can listen to. We have a website. Go to warforthetower.com. You can join us there for all the good, good shit that you need to wage war on the Crimson King and his minions. Oh, man, we should totally sell monster hunting merch and, like, planar jumping devices and such. That's a great idea, Jeff. Hey guys, would you like your name to be used as an NPC on the War for the Tower? You totally should retweet our posts or like... Uh, make your own quotes from the show and just hashtag it war for the tower and we'll use your name as an NPC or if your name is boring and you want us to use another one just put that in there and uh, uh, we already have uh, an Alexa Payne so if that's your name you can pick a different one <laughs> ba -boop, ba -boop, ba -boop. Bop 
Special thanks to Kevin Cole, the maker of Space Kings, for letting us use the Space Kings system to to make this show. It's pretty cool. Space Kings. Merrigan had been floating around so long. 